Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, you go ahead and turn them to Luke chapter 21. And uh, as the previous sermon did, this is kind of breaking out into several different sermons as well. Uh, Last week we looked at the first point you should have there, fill that in your notes. But um, I don't know if I did the the first point in your notes. Maybe it's just all the second point in there. (laughs) This is the second point to the, the previous sermon. But we looked at the characteristics of the end of the end of time. That was point number one, basically. And we looked at what was going to be going on at the very end. And we looked at that and diagnosed or uh, dissected that a little bit. And we saw these signs that Jesus gave would, that would point to the reality that the end is coming. The end is definitely coming. And these are the signs that are uh, in place. We also looked in Peter when he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to read this before we get point two. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it should be on the screen. It says, But the heavens and the earth, which are now, right now, Peter's time, and still are here, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, he's talking to Christians, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day, the Lord's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. Now understand, again, this is not, uh, Jesus was talking to his disciples um, in, in, in about 30 AD. This was not very far after that. And again, he was telling his disciples, these things are going to come, the end's coming soon. Persecution had already started to happen. It was already happening there at the day of Pentecost. And so um, there, there were a, a lot of things that the early Christians at, at this time of Peter's writing we're thinking it's about to happen. It, what's taken so long? <laughs> think, think about that. This is just not too long removed from Jesus saying, hey, the end's coming soon. And these people during Peter's time are thinking, um, where's Jesus at? I mean, he said he was going to come right back. It's going to be soon. Uh, that we're supposed to be sleepless in our prayers, waiting his return. So we're supposed to be continuing to pray, waiting his, for his return and, of course, we know this is a perpetual teaching that goes throughout the whole church age. But it's the, the people here were thinking, man, what's taking so long for Jesus to come back? We're 2,000 years removed from that, from that time. And there have been over the centuries and over the millennia people thinking, well, Jesus isn't coming back. They've been saying he's coming back for so long. As I said last week, whether it's Y2K or even back you know, before Israel was a nation or right after Israel became a, a nation again. Uh, so many times throughout history, they've, they've thought, well, Jesus is coming back at this point in time. And people have said, well, maybe he's not coming back. And Peter, again, writing to uh, the, the believers that were dispersed, he's saying this, look, don't think that the Lord is slack concerning his promise. Some people think he's slack concerning his promise. That's not the case with this end of, of time, this one day, uh, uh, this, this day of the Lord that's coming. He said, but God, he's long-suffering to usward. Listen to these words. Not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. But he goes on to say, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then 
that all these things are going to be dissolved. All the things that you look at, all the things that are around you, all the things that you're living for, all the temporal things in this world, and all the things that you're, you're worried about, all that stuff. If you, if you realize that all this stuff is going to be dissolved, how should you live your lives? What, what manner of person should you ought to be in all holy conversation and godliness? And living in anticipation, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Now look at verse 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. As Jesus taught his disciples again about this time, about the, this time that um, the end would come and these things were going to be and what it would look like at the end of time again, he had to prepare them specifically for the persecution that was going to come about in their lives. He loved them. He was their shepherd. He's our shepherd today. He loves us. And so he was, as a good shepherd, preparing them for what they were going to face in this world. Because they were in this world and not of this world, they would face this. The preparation that they would need to face in a world that would hate them just as the world hated Jesus Christ. And we already saw these verses and we'll move forward. Verse 10 was what we, we started off. And it says, Then said he unto them in Luke 21, Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and the great earthquake shall be in diverse places and famines and pestilence and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven, but before all these. So again, before the end of the end, these things that we're going to look at this morning were going to come to pass for the church. The church was going to have to endure before these things or the followers of Christ were going to have to endure before these things. Point number two, right there in your notes, you can fill it out and then we'll pray. Characteristics of persecution in the end time. We're going to look at the characteristics of the persecution of the followers of Christ in the end time. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here again. We're so thankful for the resurrection, God. We're so thankful that you came and you died on the cross to pay for our sins. Lord, you, you fulfilled the, the requirement, the righteous requirement of what our sin debt had on our lives. And so we're so thankful that you did that. We're so thankful that you and you alone could pay that price and, and you loved us so much that you did it. Um, we're thankful that um, we don't have to worry about being justified uh, in our own merit because it's in your blood and by your grace uh, that we, we have that. And Lord, we're thankful for that. We're thankful for the resurrection. Again, as, as Brother Jeffrey already said and even prayed, this is the thing that sets sets us apart, our faith, our relationship with the one and only true God is that you actually came and you did die, but you rose from the dead. Lord, there's, there's, there's no other uh, religious leader or no other religion that claims that um, and, and, and let alone fulfills that. And, and so you did. And so we know we have the truth. We know that we have uh, a, a real uh, living hope because of you and so we're thankful for that lord we pray this morning as we continue in this message that we would be ready that we'd be receiving your word uh, that we would hear these these words and they would fall uh, soberly on our hearts god we're, we're living in the very end of time and, and i pray that we would hear these words and they would spur us god they would stir us they would they would do something in us that causes us to change lord i, I pray that we wouldn't just be casual in our approach to this world that we wouldn't be callous to the needs of the lost around us i pray that we wouldn't just fall into this comfortable rut living in this world and and, and seeing the time pass us by and the end draw closer 
and miss this opportunity that you've given to us, Lord. So I pray that we would um, seize this time, that we would redeem the time, because the days are definitely evil. And I pray that you would um, just, again, stir our hearts this morning. And if there is, as it's already been prayed, someone here that's never trusted you for salvation, they've never surrendered their life, and if they were to die today, they, they, weren't, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't be sure, sure that heaven is their eternal home. Uh, I pray that that person, or those people, uh, would make that right before they leave the doors today. Lord, that they would come and they would trust you, uh, the, the sacrifice that you gave for them, trust in the resurrection, give you their life, and be transformed and, and again, experience that eternal life. Lord, I pray that you move now, just use me as a vessel, that you would get the glory from it all. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Jesus warning his disciples here, um, th this is what the end is going to look like, and specifically, this is what the end is going to look like for you. What they would face, but not only what they would face, I believe he was also, as I said, a, as a um, perpetual teaching that would resonate throughout the church age, this is what he's preparing all of the followers of Christ to deal with as they live by faith in this world. So again, talking specifically to those people, Peter, Andrew, James, John, but also resonating to us today in 2018, this is what they were going to face, this is what we could expect to face at some point in time. Now, the severity of the persecution of the followers of Christ will fluctuate over the centuries. And we know that history uh, has, has proven that to be true. Several uh, in here have probably had surgery before. You've probably uh, gone through something that they call pre-op, right? You, you, you go to the doctor before you have the surgery. And what do they do at that pre-op? What, what is the purpose of the pre-op? They're going to prepare you. They're going to tell you what they're going to do to you. They're going to tell you what you can expect, both during the surgery, how long it's going to take, what they're going to do, and, 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 and what it, you know, maybe, you know, what you can expect afterwards, um, the, the recovery time. They, they prepare you for that. And so, again, Jesus is, in a sense, doing this same thing for his followers. You are going to have to deal with this in the world. This is what you're going to have to deal with. If you follow me, the way that I've told you that my followers are to follow me, this is what you have to look forward to. This is what you need to be prepared for. Now let's look at what he told his followers that they would face in the end time. He goes on in the rest of that verse 12 in our text. It says, They shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. So we, we look at what Jesus is telling them. If you continue following me when I leave, you're going to face physical. You're going to face legislative. You're going to face social, emotional persecution. You're going to go through the ringer if you decide to continue following me. Now, I, I, you look at something like that and you think, man, this doesn't seem like something fun. This doesn't seem like something uh, enjoyable to go through. Um, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, there was a, a series that I've talked about many times before, many of you are familiar with. It's called Way of the Master. And one of the things that they say is a problem with modern uh, evangelism is they present this idea that, that if you accept Jesus Christ, then your life is just going to be better. That's, that's period. That, that you're going to have no problems, you're not going to have any issues, you're not going to have any of these things that your life is going to be so much better. You have joy, you have excitement, you'll have all this stuff. 
and uh, that's all you have to worry about whenever you uh, follow Jesus Christ. But again, if somebody told you, when you accept Jesus Christ, you determine to follow him for all of your life, you're, the, you're possibly going to be thrown in prison. You're possibly going to be beaten, or you're pro- possibly going to uh, face all these difficulties and all these problems in your life. But in the end, it'll be absolutely worth it. The reason why that's not really appealing to the flesh is because all mankind basically likes to please themselves. We, we are instant gratification people. We, we, that's why fast food restaurants are so popular, right? I mean, truly, that's what happens. I mean, one of the, 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 the greatest fast food restaurant of all time, I believe, this is my opinion, is Chick-fil-A. And, and, and they, here's what the deal is. For so many different reasons. Their food is amazing. Uh, there's a Christian owner. Um, the, the, uh, uh, the service is typically, when you go there, the service is amazing. And speaking of the service, they like get, if, if they find out it starts to become a problem in, their, in their, their line, their drive-through line, they troubleshoot. They figure out the solution to make it so much more uh, helpful for you. I mean, I, I've gone to the, the one in Lake Worth there, and I know other ones have this too, but they've got like people in, in headsets and iPads, and, um, and then they've got another station where people are giving you receipt and, and this, and another station where people are giving you condiments, and it is just like they're just taking care of you every step of the way. And um, again, amazing, amazing, amazing. But that's not the point. They're awesome. But the fact... <laughs> There's everybody can't go to Chick Fil A today because they're closed. Um, but the um, the fast food mentality, the, the the instant gratification mentality. I I need this now. I want this now. It does, it is is what we live for. And so when you tell someone now in following Christ, you may go through all these bad things, but at the end of it all, for all of eternity, it's going to be worth it. Again, it, it doesn't pick up on very many people's uh, radar today because, well, I want it right now. I, I want all that stuff right now and later. That's how I, I, I want to follow Jesus Christ. Um, again, people don't get excited when you tell them you have, may have to face some difficulty in following Christ. Especially if you look at this world as your home. This is my home. This, I want comfort. I want peace. I want joy. I want blessings. I want, I want all those things in this world. So if you look at this world as your home, then it doesn't become appealing to follow Jesus Christ, come what may. But what are the dilemmas today? The apostles were going to be facing imprisonment, delivered up to synagogues, uh, being beaten and, and, and imprisoned, and, and all this kind of stuff. That was the dilemma that the first church was facing. Right? If we choose to follow Jesus Christ, if we say we're followers of Jesus Christ, if we associate with ourselves with Jesus Christ, then this is the potential of what we face. Not only potential, they would experience the reality as well. But what's the dilemmas today? What are the dilemmas that followers of Jesus Christ face today? Many of the dilemmas that churchgoers face today, and I didn't say followers, I said churchgoers face today is if they feel like making it to a worship service versus staying in bed or versus going to a family get-together or a ball game, or whether they feel like doing it or not. Not whether they would be turned into the authorities for their clear following and association with Jesus Christ. 
See, Peter had been seen with Christ, been seen following Christ, and, 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 and at his denial, they were saying, hey, we've seen you with him. We, you're associated with him. And he denied and cursed Christ in that moment. And, and, and my, my, my concern is, there's a lot of people that claim to be followers of Jesus Christ and do the same exact thing that Peter did. We realize that church services aren't the only way that we live out our faith. But it's part of it. it it's one of the things that, that the Lord commanded. We, we realize that, that sharing the gospel isn't the only way that we live out our faith. It's part of it. It's what the Lord commanded. We could go down the, the, the road. I mean, giving, uh, loving, all those things. Is a part of us following Jesus Christ. But my question this morning is how far removed are we from that persecution and from that reality, from that type of faith that those early followers of Jesus Christ had at that time? Now, I don't think that we may be too far removed from the persecution, from that reality of being persecuted. I don't know that we are, but I think that we might be light years away from that type of faith that they had. The persecution for us could literally be right around the corner. It could happen in our nation sooner than we even realized. I mean, I think we've bordered on that in the last eight, you know, 12 years maybe. There's been things that have happened, and maybe even going back further, that we thought, ooh, man, if this happens, it could just tables be turned like that. So I think persecution, the reality of that is, is not too far off, or the, 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 the potential of that isn't. But again, how far removed are we from their type of faith that these disciples had? Again, we aren't worried about whether we're going to be brought before kings or, 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 or trials in front of courts because of our faith, because of our radical following of Jesus Christ. We're worried about living our lives the way that we want. Because after all, we only live once, right? That's the mentality that we take on. I mean, it's my life. I don't have to do this. I don't have to tell people about Christ. I don't have to be faithful to, to worship my King, my Lord. I don't have to be faithful to God. I don't have to be faithful to do this. Again, the Bible tells us this in Corinthians. You're no longer your own because you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are Christ. We're no longer ours. We gave that right up when we said, yes, I want the blood to cover my sins. And we were purchased. We were bought. No longer our own. Yet we live in this world, even as churchgoers or claiming to be followers of Christ. And, and we're, not, we're not truly and sincerely following Christ with everything we can. We're, we're kind of following him at our convenience. That's the reality of what it looks like for modern Christianity. Is there just a disconnect between those followers of Christ that Jesus was preparing then and us today, or is there a distinction? In other words, is there, a, is there just a disconnect? We've just disconnected from the way that they were living to pursue our comfort, or is there an absolute distinction? They had real faith, and those who are modern churchgoers today don't have real faith. That's the concern. We do only live once. Jesus our Lord, the same Lord that, that we claim, was, was telling these, these followers of his that they would face 
This type of persecution, if they lived that one life that they have, the way that he commanded them to live it. You know what the Great Commission says, right? The Great Commission tells us to go into all the world and teach all nations, to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe, listen to these words, all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Listen, that's what Jesus' command was to the church, to us. That we were to go out and teach the, the gospel to every creature. And, and when they get saved, to make sure that they follow him in baptism. To identify with Jesus Christ alone in baptism. But not only that, to teach them to obey every single word. Not out of legal obligation, but under the grace that he provided for us to live in. And so when we look at following Jesus Christ today... Again, I'm I'm burdened in in my life, in our lives, in modern Christianity. Man, are we disconnected? Is there a distinction? But the negatives that we look at in following Christ, the requirements that happens uh, whenever we live the way, or or not the requirements, the, the repercussions that happen when we live the way that Jesus commanded us to live, in the world's eyes, in, 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 the, in, in, in man's eyes, they're negatives. But they were not so in God's eyes, which is interesting, right? Because if, if, if I'm, uh, you know, I'm a father of, of two girls, and if I know that there are bad things ahead for them, what am I going to do? Number one, I would try to help them avoid those bad things. But if I knew that it was inevitable or it had to go that way, then maybe I would prepare them. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing. It's not that God delights in the suffering of his children. It's not that he delighted even in the suffering of Jesus Christ for the sake of suffering alone. It's not God didn't look down and see Jesus being beaten and that suffering pleased him in the suffering alone. It pleased the Father because of what the suffering would bring. There was a bigger purpose. There was a greater cause. That's why it pleased the Father. There was a purpose in and through the suffering that the suffering couldn't define. And and, and that's what Jesus was trying to tell his disciples. Look, you're going to be delivered up to prisons. You're going to be delivered up to synagogues. You're going to be beaten. You're going to deal with all of these problems in in your life. If you choose to follow me the way that I'm commanding you to follow me, it's going to be negative. It's going to be bad. It's going to be difficult. But I'm going to be with you through it all. And the reason why it's, it's going to be okay there's a greater purpose in and through those those sufferings in and through that persecution there's a greater purpose so that just doesn't make sense i've preached this before sometimes when we go through the trials in our lives we go through difficulties all we want to focus on is me 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 right that that's just the nature of man when, when I go through something bad, go through something difficult, something not fun, not something enjoyable for me, well, what do I look at? I look at, man, how soon is this going to be over? How quickly can I get out of this? I don't like this. I don't like the way it feels. I don't like the way it, it deals with other people. I, I don't like this. And so we try to see the end of our trials before we even make it through it versus saying, maybe God's allowing this trial for a reason. Maybe it's in this trial that God is going to allow me to be a light to someone who I otherwise would not be a light to. 
I've shared that with many people who I've visited in the hospital before. I don't understand why you're still dealing with this cancer. I don't understand why you're still dealing with this. I don't understand why this is going on in your life. I don't understand that, but I know this. Maybe God has you going through this because there's going to be one nurse, one doctor, one tech, somebody, a visitor walking down, hearing somebody from your church praying with you. I don't know that's going to hear the light, that's going to be exposed to the light, going to hear the gospel or something. Maybe God has you through this trial for somebody else and not necessarily just for you. We know that the trials do build our faith if we'll let them. That's what the Bible says. That we're supposed to counter our joy knowing this, that you know, you show, you're going to fall into you know, diverse temptations, diverse trials. But there's a purpose even in your life for those trials. But even through persecution, someone could say, man, I mean, th- think about this. We, we talk about the, the, the sin and the junk that's in the world and, and a lot of the, the lost world who do, don't understand the ways of God. Look at all the negativity. There's even Christians that do this. Why doesn't God just stamp out all the evil people? Well, one of the things we just read is he's not willing, and, and, and Peter, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. God's still saving people. One day he will stamp out all when his timetable is closed and it's done, and there's no more opportunity for salvation, and the end of time, and time is done. He will stamp out all evil and wickedness. But until that time, he's still saving the wicked. He's still saving those who are unrighteous. We look at the, the, the negativity that goes on. Why doesn't God just stamp this out? Well, the same way, we say, why, doesn't, why, why did God even allow for the persecution in the first place? I mean, I mean if, if, if Jesus died and he rose again and he overcame death and hell and the grave, he, he did all those things, why did he just say, you know what? I'm just going to make it a smooth road for you, my followers, in this world from here on out. If you trust me, you got it made in this world. He, he, he very clearly said why. That he was sent into this world. That the world hated him. That the world didn't accept him. Even he came into his own in John chapter 1. And his own received him not. The world doesn't have the mind of God. The, the world, we didn't have the mind of God before we were saved. But he, he allows for this persecution. And look in verse 13 what Jesus says to his followers. This is what's going to happen to you. It's bad. If you follow me, if you, if, you, if, you, if you live for me, the life I've commanded you to live for me, it's going to bring about this persecution in your life. But verse 13, and it's going to turn for you for a testimony. Amen. Wow. What in the world? This suffering, this mistreatment, this affliction, this trial, this persecution. This is your opportunity, listen, to bear witness for me. That's what Jesus was telling them. He said, look, you, you may not be able to ever stand before a, a Roman legionnaire. You may not ever stand at, at, this, at this, this, this post uh, of whipping. And, and that, that Roman soldier, that Roman guard, be able to hear the gospel and, and see the light in you. But if you follow me and it brings you to that place, it'll give you that opportunity that you otherwise wouldn't have to be a light to that person there. Think about even Jesus Christ himself. Remember the Roman soldier at his crucifixion? Man, what an amazing thought. What an amazing concept that Jesus, he had taught his followers. Think about other people. 
Think about other people. Live your life for other people. Prefer people above yourself. Live a selfless life. Take on my mind, who didn't think of myself anything. Came to this world, lived the life of a servant, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Live that life like me, Jesus said. And when you do, it'll present opportunities to bear witness. See, we have a hard time seeing temporal adversity as divine opportunities because we focus so intently on our own comfort. This temporal adversity that I'm going through at my job, in my family, and my family doesn't want to even talk to me, doesn't want to have anything to do with me. I, I know they talk about me behind my back. I'm always at church. I'm always trying to tell them about Jesus, all these things, and, and, and they don't want to have anything to do with us anymore. Or, or my, the people at my job, nobody wants to eat lunch with me. I feel like I'm alone in my job because I, I read my Bible and I'm trying to invite them to church, and they don't have anything to do with me. It's a small measure of persecution. I mean, it's not imprisonment. It's not beating. It's not, it's not those things. But anytime we face any type of adversity, temporal adversity in our life, oftentimes we don't say, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe God has given me a divine opportunity. Maybe this is an opportunity that I wouldn't have if everything was just hunky-dory. In this struggle, in this adversity, it's a divine opportunity. But because we're so focused on our own comfort, we don't see it like that. Let me ask you this. When's the last time that you prayed for God to prepare you and to use you through whatever affliction, whatever persecution may come your way as you boldly live out your faith and proclaim the gospel? When's the last time, God, prepare me? God, prepare me at my job. God, prepare me my family. God, prepare me even as I'm going out knocking doors. Prepare me if I face persecution, if I face affliction, if I face anything in my life as I'm living it out for you and not for myself. Prepare me. When's the last time that you prayed that? Verses, praying that God would bless you with something that you wanted. God, please bless me with this. God, please bless me with that. With health, with money with security, with, with comfort. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking our God, our Father, to, to bless us. Of course we should be asking Him for that. But it's a radar thing, I think. It's a radar thing. In our lives, we, we are only focused, and our radar is only geared towards what pleases us and what comforts us and, and what, what we want in our life. And so whenever something goes on in our life and it's, oh, this can make my life better and easier and more fun and enjoyable and, and comfortable for me, our radar goes, that's what I want. That's what, I, that's what I'll do. Versus saying, man, I'm no longer mine. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ regardless of what it costs, regardless of what it takes, regardless of what I go through. Again, we don't want to think of our hard times as divine opportunities. We see those hard times, that, that adversity, we see that, that affliction, that, that, that persecution, those things in our life as obstacles to the life of comfort that we're pursuing. I'm pursuing this life. My radar is only geared towards the things that bring me comfort and joy and, and happiness in this world. I mean, even if I have to compromise these things of obedience to Christ, I, I just want my life to be comfortable. And Jesus said what may bring us temporal affliction can be used to bring God glory and also glory for us in eternity, blessing for us in eternity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. 
I'm going to close with this. Let me, as a musician's make our way, let me ask you this. If Jesus was standing before us this morning, please listen. If he was standing before us this morning, and this is what he began to tell us, that this year in 2018, persecution would start coming to the American Christian church. If you choose to continue to be faithful, if you choose to continue to bear witness, if you continue to continue, then you're going to be possibly imprisoned. The life that you're now living would be radically changed. Being in prison, you couldn't hold down your job, you couldn't pay your bills. Your life would be different. For you to continue following Christ the way that you follow Christ, would mean you could possibly lose your freedom, the blessings that, the temporal blessings that you're now enjoying. Would you want to stay? Would you want to remain? I mean, just an honest, serious question in your heart. I mean, think about it. Your, your mind goes through it. And then we, we wouldn't have health insurance. I mean, we would have to get rid of our, our, our house, our, our vehicles. I mean, how would we live? How, where would the food come from? I mean, I, and it was a difference of, of continuing to tell people that Jesus was the only way and, and being faithful to assemble and, 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 and worship him. Uh, if, if living my life for Jesus Christ and, and following his commands meant that our life would be absolutely radically transformed by persecution, even if it was through legislative means. It became illegal or it became, uh, you know, um, uh, prosecutable. Would you stay? Seriously, honestly. Or would you try to find a loophole? Well, as long as I don't do this like this, or as long as I... I'm not, maybe, maybe I'll just show up at, at various times and not, not create a pattern of, of, of connecting with the body of Christ. And, or, or, or maybe, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll just figure out a way to avoid that persecution. That way we can continue to live our lives of, of comfort and, 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 and experience in this world. If you knew that it was going to cost you, would you remain? And, and, and at what level of commitment would you be at? How committed would you be? Again, if being fully committed, all in, 100% dedicated to Christ's cause and not your cause and not your family's cause and not, not your job's cause and not your bank account's cause and, and, and not any other cause but the cause of Christ being 100% dedicated to Him through His church cost you more than you're currently giving to Him now. Would you stay? Again, I, I, piously, I, I think that we all would say, yeah, I think I would stay. But I'm just wondering, if we're living our lives right now without any persecution, without anything threatening our, our security or our comfort, without anything threatening to pull our lives the way that we know them now completely out from under, if there's nothing there now, 
And our level of commitment is like 80 or even 90% to Christ, not even 100% right now. Could we really say, yeah, if that was on the line, I would stay 100, I would be 100% committed to Christ. And, 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 and my honest answer is, I don't, I don't think that many would. I think through the fire, maybe see this next week, true faith would arise. I think the fire of persecution would cause true faith to rise. I think there would be a few, and maybe our church would be among the few. And I'm talking about in, in the church in America. Maybe the majority of our church would be but we have to ask ourselves that question here this morning, even in our church. If the fire of persecution arose in our nation and it came to our lives this year, would my faith be proven sincere or would the fire of persecution just wither it away? Would I be one of those that just either just started stop, just stop coming or stop sharing and just kind of coasting and living our life of comfort continue? Would I be one of those that maybe had a little bit more gumption and say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to at least email the pastor and tell him we're, we're going to have to pull back. Or would you stay? Come what may, whatever it cost, would you remain faithful? And I, I want to I challenge you with that this morning. I, I want to encourage you. Where's your faith at now? No persecution. Nobody threatening you. It's not there. I mean, our, the persecution like, like our family, our jobs and stuff is very minimal. How committed to your Lord are you right now? You say, I, I'm not as committed as I probably should be. Uh, I'm not facing any persecution. My job's great. My family... They know we're Christians, it's cool, I'm no problem. Let's make sure that we're committed to the level that he's called us to be committed to. We haven't faced persecution really in this nation in a long time. But I do believe that we've got to be prepared for it. I do believe that we've got to have it on our radar that it's a potential. And if we don't start preparing for it now with the way that we live and, and commit our lives to Christ, It'll overwhelm us like a wave whenever it does come. Let's be prepared. Christ told his followers, told us to be prepared. Let's be prepared. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, as we prayed already, if, 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 if today were the day that you were to die and you're not 100% sure that when you die you would go to heaven, I, I'm begging you to come down here. We'll have a couple of men standing here, a couple of ministers. And they can show you out of God's word how you can know 100% that when you die, heaven's going to be your home. We've talked about it already, what Christ has done for you. But now what do you have to do to receive it? It's a free gift. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. But you've got to know how to get the gift. And so I want to encourage you this morning to come down, at least find out what it is and how to get it. And that way you can make a decision. So if you don't know that heaven's going to be your eternal home, I'm begging you to come down here. Make sure today that you know. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity again, Lord, a sobering message, a, a, a message of reality. Again, you told your followers then, they faced it, 
Lord, it's a, it's a message that resonates to us even today as we're getting closer to the very end of time. And I pray that we wouldn't just go as foolish men, unknowing, unprepared into this battle, this persecution. And I don't know if it's coming this year. I don't know if it's coming next year or 10 years from now. I don't know, but I pray that you would help me not only for myself, but to prepare our church that if it does come this year, we will be those that will remain. We won't run away, we won't fall away, but God, we will stay true and steadfast, unmovable. God, help us to have the kind of commitment we need to have at this end time. And if there's someone that's lost, God, please move them during this invitation. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name.